So last week, um, I kicked off a new series called Practicing the Way of Jesus. And if you didn't catch it, please do uh, listen to it on the podcast or check out the YouTube or Facebook video. And we learned a bit of Jewish history. Um, In particular, we looked at the education system in first century Palestine and the relationship between a rabbi and his disciples or Talmudin in Hebrew. And we learned that disciples had three goals. Can anyone remember them? First is to be with their rabbi. Second is to be like, to become like the rabbi. And the third, to do, to do what the rabbi did. So um, we're going to explore what it means uh, for us to be followers of Jesus, his apprentices, his Talmudin. And uh, we're going to explore these three things. This morning, I'm going to cover being with Jesus, digging deeper into what I talked about last week. Uh, next week, uh, Jack Robson's going to talk about becoming like Jesus. Uh, and if you're uh, the following week, Graham Sharp's going to talk about doing what Jesus did. And if you're thinking, well, Jesus did miracles and healings, Rose already said uh, that we've, we're privileged to have Mark Marks come and join us uh, the following week um, from Coswick Coast Vineyard, founder of Healing in the Streaks, um, uh, and uh, he's going to unpack that topic as well. So, shall we get started? Let's see if this is working. Um, if you can turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. I bet John was happy about that. And uh, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher or master, as we learned last week, where are you staying? Oh, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went with him and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So did you spot Jesus' invite to the two would-be disciples? Come, Jesus said. Come and you will see. Jesus' invite was to come and hang out with him, to see if he really is the Messiah, to see if all those rumors are actually true. So they spent the day just being with him. Come and see was and still is the open invite of Jesus of Nazareth. So that was great for the disciples, but you're probably saying, you know, uh, That was way back then. We're in 2020. You're probably living in Hazemir, the surrounding area, although I know some of you on the live stream are watching from all across the UK or even across the world, and you're very welcome. It's great to have you with us. But we can't just hang out with Jesus, as I said last week. We can't physically just hang out with him. He's not here on earth. Scripture says he's at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So how can you and I be with Jesus? Well, Can you turn with me to John chapter 14? And the closer Jesus got to the cross, the more he started to talk about how he's going to go away, but in his place he will send one he calls the Holy Spirit. So let's read from verse 16 of John chapter 14. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And if you skip forward to verse 25, all this I've spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So according to Jesus, the way we get to be with Jesus is via the Holy Spirit. As we saw last week, the first And primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. This is what being with Jesus is really all about. Let's flip ahead one more chapter to John chapter 15 because here Jesus uses a metaphor to help us understand how this really works. Let's read from verse 1 of John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The Greek word for remain is meno, and it's sometimes translated as abide and really carries that sense of staying at home in something. So let's continue with, with verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me and you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus' metaphor is of a branch abiding in the vine. This is a picture of my shed office, or as I love to call it, my office. And you can see uh, there's vines growing up. In fact, there's two vines, one on the left and one on the right. And let's zoom in to the one on the right. Um, there is, is, is a good vine. You can maybe just about see the, the, the uh, arrow to the left. That's the kind of trunk of the vine growing up. The, the bottom arrow is where it grows up from. It goes into the ground just uh, by that post there. Um, And some of the branches are all over. There's branches right up at the top. But they're not stressed out about producing fruit. They're not like going, oh, I'm far away from the vine. This is tough. They just know that if they remain in the vine, if they just stay connected to the vine, they will just naturally produce fruit. And you can see there's there's some grapes just about ripening. If my youngest son doesn't eat all the unripened ones, we'll actually get a bunch of properly ripened grapes. But if I sever the link between the branch and the vine, you know what's going to happen, right? 
there'll be no growth, it'll wither and die, it won't produce anything. In this one teaching, um, in John 15, let's see, if, let's see if you've paid attention. How many times did Jesus use the word remain? Okay, put your hands up if it's more than four times. And maybe the stream can catch a few hands going up. Okay, there's quite a few hands going up. Right up high, come on, don't be shy. Okay, more than six times. Who thinks Jesus made, said remain more than six times? Or oh, a few hands down. What about more than eight times? Keep your hands up if it's more than eight. More, ten or more. What if it's ten or more? Any hands still up? There's a few hands still up. What if it's twelve or more? Hands still up. See, I caught you guys out. It's actually ten times. Jesus uses that word remain or menu ten times in that passage. His message is really clear. He's driving that point home. You see, his listeners live in an agricultural context. You know, they know vines. In fact, lots of them would have vines around their houses. And, and Jesus' message is crystal clear. Center yourself in the Father's presence all day long. Stay connected to the Father. Now, this doesn't mean you join a monastery and you tear yourself away from people and you take a vow of silence and you just spend every day with your hands clasped together sort of in prayer. That was not Jesus' practice. Unlike John the Baptist, actually, Jesus loved to go out and eat with people and drink with people. He really, he loved to do that. What it means, I think, is this. Learning to be in two places at once. So for me, I could be eating my breakfast, my cereal with lovely little flakes of chocolate on a Monday morning, but I'm in the Father's presence. Maybe Tuesday morning, I'm on the train from London to Hazemir, sorry, Hazemir to London, but I'm also sat in the Father's presence. Perhaps for you, you're looking at the kids, looking after the kids on a Wednesday afternoon, but you're also resting in God's presence Maybe some of the children out here, maybe you're like doing your homework on a Thursday, but you're also abiding in Jesus' presence. Or some of you young people, maybe you're hanging out with your friends on a Friday night in groups of no more than six, I hope, but you're remaining in the Father's presence. Paul called it continuous prayer. The verse of the day, actually, in the Bible app reminded me, it was Psalm 23, dwell in the house of the Lord. That's how David described it. Brother Lawrence, the 15th century Parisian monk I referred to last week, um, he called it practicing the presence of God. Let's look again just at what he said. He said, the time of business does not for me differ to the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things. Has anyone ever experienced that? I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. I remember this guy is a Catholic monk, right? So for him, the, the blessed sacrament, holy communion, communion was the pinnacle of connection to God. And he's saying, look, it's no different, no different than rush hour in a hot, noisy, chaotic, busy kitchen. 
And actually, he said elsewhere that he was a great, awkward fellow who broke everything. So for Brother Lawrence, being in the kitchen was probably not his natural environment. It probably wasn't the best place for him. I imagine it was quite stressful. But he says, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. Don't you long for such a connection to the Holy Spirit? But notice he calls it the practice of the presence of God. Let's just go back to the quote I I used last week. I know it's quite dense, but I, I, I think it's really important. I'd really love us to get this. Dallas Willard says, The first and most basic thing we can do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. And right now, with so much anxiety, and actually in a world where mental health challenges are so prevalent, isn't that so important? Caring for our souls. Our part in this practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. Do you know, that means you're going to get distracted. And that's okay. That's quite normal. You're going to be thinking about the shopping list. You're going to be thinking about that person the night before that said something that annoyed you and made you feel angry or insecure. You're going to be thinking about that extra thing that your boss asked you to do. You're going to be thinking about that homework that's due tomorrow that you still haven't done. Things less than God. But, Dallas Willard says, these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. And Dallas Willow's point is that this living in a state of constant connection to God takes practice. It doesn't just happen. Um, In the pressure and chaos and busyness of our modern world, it takes more intentionality or discipline or planning than ever before. William Paulsell said, it is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives. But there is nothing, there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. And this is where the spiritual disciplines or the practices of Jesus come in. I am becoming increasingly convinced that they are key to experiencing connection to God, to being with Jesus. You simply can't experience Jesus' life to the full without them. And as I said last week, there's no official list of spiritual disciplines. That's really good because it's not about legalism. Um, But most lists include some of the things I've got up on the screen. So silence, solitude, uh, hearing scripture, engaging with scripture, prayer, fasting, Sabbath, celebration. 
And a habit is probably a better description for these activities because they're not spiritual in the sense that, you know, it's, they're weird or you just do them spiritually. You do them with your body and your mind. John Mark Comer said, these are whole person endeavors to orient all of your life around the reality that is God. And note as well that these things are not an end in themselves, right? They are simply a means to an end to be with Jesus. So the purpose of prayer isn't just to say the words. It's to connect with God. The purpose of engaging with Scripture isn't just to know facts. Lord, save us from that. It's to actually know God. The purpose of silence and solitude isn't just to, to be alone. You know, you don't just go off and, oh, yeah, I've been alone for five minutes. You know, that's for me. It's a good, good lot. Um, and, and done. It's to listen to the small, still voice of God. And we don't do these things to earn anything. We're already loved. We're already accepted. We're already children of God. The purpose is simply to be with Jesus. And I think these things also help us become like Jesus. But the starting point is simply being with him. God, you're here. And I'm here with you together. Let's have a quick look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verses 22, 23, very famous verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Have you ever read these verses and, and just seen them as a list of commands? You know, be patient. That's a tough one for me. Uh, be kind, be loving, be joyful. But notice there isn't any command in these verses. Paul's not saying be loving. He's in this verse or these two verses, he's, he's just stating a fact. He's just saying that these things are the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, if you read the whole section from verse 16, you'll see there's only two commands so verse 16 says, so I say, walk in the Spirit. That's a command, right? And verse 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So how does an apprentice of Jesus develop love, joy, peace, and so on? Well, it's not just by trying hard. It's by abiding in the vine. It's by remaining connected to God through his Holy Spirit. It's by walking with and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you've got to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want that close connection to Father God, that default setting of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on, then it's not just about believing the right stuff. It's about actually adopting the lifestyle of Jesus. I went uh, back to the gym last weekend for the first time since lockdown. And uh, sometimes at the gym, have you ever noticed that guy working on their six-pack? They're always uh, the one to try and get their shirt off as quickly as possible. Um, full six-pack, biceps, triceps, all the rest of it. And just occasionally I think, you know, that'd be really nice really, really good to be in such good shape. That must feel good. Swap my developing beer keg for a six-pack. Six but then I think, you know, that, that guy doesn't just go to the gym once a week for 35 minutes. He's there every day. 
He's like up at six o'clock and he's in there. You know, he's, he's working out not just for half an hour. He's there for an hour, an hour and a half. He drinks his protein shakes. He watches his diet. And I think, no thanks. I might want the product of that, but I'm not going to do that. Um, do you know, sometimes we want the life, don't we? But we don't want the lifestyle. In business, sometimes we say that your system is perfectly designed to get the results that you are, in fact, now getting. So what results are you getting from your spirituality? What is the fruit that you're getting? Is it good fruit or is it not exactly what you want? Is the life that you have what you want or not? Are you really staying connected to the vine or not? Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, that's my set of teachings, my practices, my habits. Take those upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus offers us rest from our burdens, but how do we get it? Well, we come to him, we learn from him, we take his yoke, his way of life upon us. We live as he lived. If you read the four gospels, you catch a glimpse of how Jesus lived. He was never in a rush, not that I could see. He was unhurried. He spent a lot of time in community. He loved to eat with people. He spent a lot of time alone. He often got up early. We hear of him going up mountains on retreat to be with the Father. He spent a lot of time sleeping. In fact, more than once we read the disciples have to wake him up even in a crisis. He would Sabbath. He would set aside a day. The Jewish Sabbath was uh, lunch, uh, sorry, dinner time, sunset on Friday to the same on, on, on Saturday for rest and worship. He was at the synagogue every Sabbath. He lived simply. We don't read he had a lot of possessions or even a home. He was at peace. He was God, of course, yes, but he was also human. And he possibly had more challenges than you and I. It wasn't easy living in first century Galilee under foreign occupation. So peace is the byproduct of apprenticeship to Jesus. It's not something that's just transmitted to you. We can't just say, God, give me peace, and you know, he just zaps it to you. No, we need to arrange our lives as best we can figure out according to the practices of Jesus and remain in him, and then peace will naturally grow, just like the other fruit of the Spirit. One final quote, just from Dallas Willard again. The general human feeling is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. I don't want to put anyone on a guilt trip this morning. This stuff is very simple, but it's also very, very hard. And it's a journey for each one of us. I don't have it together at all. I'm not standing up here in any way saying I've got it together, but I have been growing in this area a lot over the last six to 12 months. And I can tell you that it's been good for my soul. Maybe you're a practical person. 
Maybe you're saying, what do I need to do? Well, in a minute, I'd like to offer you uh, a few suggestions to consider. But before I do, I wonder if we've got the video from Elaine. Um, uh, I, I just, uh, Elaine is uh, way ahead of me in this. Um, and I just wanted to invite her and, uh, just to share a bit of her experience and some of her practices for being with Jesus. So if it's okay, let's, uh, let's run that video. Good morning. I've been asked this morning briefly about uh, this, around this theme of, of being with Jesus and to share just some of the practices that, that I use in my daily life. So I'm going to uh, just talk about three simple practices that I use every day. Um, the first one is when I get up in the morning and I, I get my breakfast, I get my toast, I get my, my coffee and I have my first time with God. At the moment I'm using a, a phone app called Pray As You Go which has uh, some music and a Bible reading, some thoughtful questions and some silence and it, it brings me brings me into the presence of God. And this time is all about orientating me, turning myself towards God, uh, heart, mind and soul, um, as, as the day starts. Uh, so sometimes I use an app like that, sometimes I, I work my way through a book of the Bible, uh, and at Advent and Lent I might use other other types of books to bring me in, into God's presence. Uh, I'm somebody who journals, so I also do a little bit of writing, sometimes a bit of drawing uh, as I think about and as I let these things mull, as I, as I consider what is, what is God drawing my attention to this morning? What is, what is God saying this morning? Uh, I also, as part of my breakfast practice, um, I do something that, that not everyone will, but um, I have my glass of, my wine glass of water, and I have my medication for my cancer, and I take this as part of my practice. And I'm really saying as I do this that, you know, God, you, please would you do your work in me? These, with this medication, would you bring into my life uh, all that you want to bring, all that you want to do in my life? So that's my first practice. After that, a little bit later, I, I have been, particularly since lockdown, uh, really enjoying this, going on a, on a walk up uh, through the woods, into the on and onto the common and what I do during this time is I revisit whatever um, whatever has come to me during my breakfast time with God um, it's I guess throughout the years, really, the, this has been a tradition that, that Christians have, have done, this, this re repetition that you 
revisit and you, and you let the the words or you let the images uh, mull within you. And I also find that this is a time when I I will quite often be drawn into prayer for people or situations as I walk. And um, <clears throat> another thing, of course, is just being in creation, paying attention to to all that's around uh, in the changing seasons and just noticing things. Uh, God speaks through through all of these things. And uh, people that I meet on the way as well, I, I don't see them as, as distractions, but actually they are, they are something that also God has brought in, into my, to, or to my attention. Uh, when I was uh, working in Guildford and driving uh, up the A3 uh, to work, um, this is something that I would do during that journey. I wouldn't have the radio on, but I would be revisiting what I'd been reading in the morning and, and, and thinking about the day ahead, really, and asking asking God you know, to, to, to be with me during this time. So that's the second practice. It's a kind of a repetition and a revisiting um, of, of, of the earlier time. I then go into the day, whatever that holds, whatever I'm doing, uh, whoever I'm, I'm meeting or being with or, or all of those different things. And I suppose with, with a sense that God is, is with, with me and still paying attention trying to pay attention to to whatever God might be doing in the day. And then the third practice at the end of the day is that I rerun in my in my mind uh, the events of the day. I go from getting up to going to bed and uh, it's called an examen traditionally, which means examination, and it's 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 an opportunity to ask the questions: Where was God today? Where did I sense God was today? What was difficult? Uh, what brought me joy? What what maybe brought God joy today? Um, and that's the way I I wrap up my day with God. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Elaine, for, for sharing that. Um, I'm a very different personality type to Elaine. In fact, I remember when I left house and I moved into a house with three other people, I thought you could only have two different personality types, but I quickly discovered you can have four opposites in a house. So we're all very different, uh, but there's so much that we can learn from each other. There's a, a lot uh, I've picked up from Elaine. I hope you pick up some things too. Um, but let me just wrap up by uh, just gently offering a few uh, suggestions for you to consider. Uh, and the first is sort of long term. Simplify your life down to what really matters. Slowly cut out the extra activities that are unnecessary and gradually add in the practices of Jesus. 
So for me, the one I had to add in was silence and solitude. I really wasn't good at that. It wasn't something I liked. Um, I love the buzz of being with people. But then lockdown came along, and that helped me quite a lot. And uh, kind of enforced it for me. But I've really benefited a lot from my times of silence and solitude. I typically sort of walk around Lynchmere Common first thing in the morning. And it's great just to be with Jesus. Um, and then there's maybe things that you want to nuance or tweak. So for us as a family, Sabbath was something we tried to do. I don't think we were that great at it some of the times. Um, and actually, we've been doing a lot better at that recently. We sat down, uh, we figured out how we were going to do Sabbath, um, and we talked it through with the, the boys, and actually we've been focusing on the celebration and the enjoyment side of Sabbath, and that has been really life-giving for us as well. So make a list of for you uh, what are the core practices that lead to life. Um, maybe share them with your small group community as we get into small groups um, and do it together. Um, but don't be in a hurry. This isn't something you just sort out like in a day or in a week. It's a lifetime's journey. And actually in January, we're hoping to uh, have a time of just looking at some of the practices in depth and getting a chance to try these out in our small group communities. So that's long term. Short term, just two things. Join a small group. So as Rue said, over the next uh, two or three weeks, we're hopefully going to be getting small groups together. Um, and it, it'll be great just to, to, to wrestle with some of this together in community and take the journey together. And then if you're not doing this already, I'd really encourage you just to set aside a little time every day maybe 10 minutes to start with, or even five minutes for silence and solitude and just being with Jesus. You don't even need to pray out loud. Um, you might just go for a walk in nature, just notice what he's doing, just, just bask in his love um, and enjoy it. So there's a life that's waiting for you. Jesus said, come and see, didn't he? And I think it's there if we just quieten ourselves, if we slow down, and if we be with him. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. It's just so good to, to get into your word, Jesus, and to hear directly from you the things that you said. Thank you for the metaphors that you've given, that picture of the vine and fruitfulness coming from the branch, not stressing out or trying hard, but just abiding in the vine, just being connected into the vine. So Lord, would you help us just as individuals and as small group communities and as a whole church family to really work that through, to learn from others who are further on ahead, to adapt to our own personality and our own circumstances but to build in the practices that you have given Jesus that bring life. We just long for more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We long for your kingdom to come through us. Thank you for that invitation to come and see, just to come and hang out with you. And Lord Jesus, we want to say yes. Amen.